Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Today on Biblical Higher Ed Talk, I sit down with Bart Kaler, founder of Kaler Solutions in Fishers, Indiana, to discuss marketing in biblical higher education. Unlock some secrets of effective marketing that resonates with prospective students and strengthens institutional reputation with the ultimate goal of boosting enrollment. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education. And we are honored to have as our guest this week, Bart Kaler. Bart has spent much of his professional career as a marketing consultant, both for the business sector, but now more recently in the last several years in higher education. I'm proud to say that he's an ABHE senior fellow. And Bart, I, I really don't totally know what that means, but we give you a nice title. You're, it's you're, a nice title and I have a, a medal to wear. So yeah, it's great. You're a senior, meaning you're older and you're a fellow. So I, I, I guess I, that's it. That works. But <laughs> we're happy to have you as a senior fellow, which really is our way of just saying this is somebody who we see as an expert in, in the field and in this particular case in, in marketing. He also has a successful weekly podcast titled The Higher Ed Marketer. And I think, Bart, you shared with me earlier this week, a, I guess you got an award or something. So maybe you can mention uh, something about that along the way. But I've invited Bart to talk about marketing in higher education. And these podcasts are typically in the 25 to 30 minute range. And there's absolutely no way we are going to hit everything related to <laughs> how to no. effectively market a college. But I think we'll, we'll touch on some some big ideas, and even some practical pieces, which I think oftentimes we treat marketing like it's this big elephant and we don't even know how to proceed with it. So we'll, we'll close out with Bart sharing just some very practical steps uh, that you can take. So welcome, Bart, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Philip. It's good to be here. So to kick off our conversation, as you reflect over your, this is before we jump into some of the marketing stuff, sure. but as you reflect over your professional uh, experiences. Share with us one defining moment that God used to propel you forward in either your personal or, or your your professional life. You know, that's interesting. As I think about it, there's there's several things that you know obviously come up, and and there are ways that I consider that. And I I don't want to sound self serving in this, but honestly, one of the biggest impacts in my life was you know, going to Christian higher education. I I was a first gen student. I remember when I was in high school. No one in my family had been to college before, and so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I lived in Anderson, Indiana, and the only schools I really knew about were Anderson and Ball State University. I mean, that was the breadth of, you know, and this is pre-internet. So, I mean, I, you know, I had stuff that people, I was certainly on the mailing list, and I was a strong student. And so I knew of other schools, but I didn't even imagine driving, you know, beyond the local area where I could drive to the school. So uh, I really wanted to go, uh, you know, I was a believer and uh, president of my youth group, you know, kind of a, a, a typical student that a lot of our schools would like to see. 
and and just had an opportunity to go to Anderson. I really didn't know anything. I mean, I remember calling up my a friend of mine had received a presidential scholarship at the school, and my mom left the newspaper on the counter and said, "You better, you know, circled. You better call and find out about this because I needed a scholarship to be able to attend Anderson." And and so I called and I asked if I could come over and talk to the the admissions department about that. And I remember it was over Christmas break. I got a suit on and tie to go over there because I thought I was interviewing. I thought, I mean, I, I, now looking back, it was like, no, that was your campus visit. No, I went over there to, you know, sell them on <laughs> on, on, on Bart Kaler. On Bart Kaler. <laughs> but, you know, long story short, I ended up getting getting a presidential scholarship. My wife also got the same scholarship and we ended up meeting at the scholarship dinner in, in February. And so that combined with, you know, getting into school, being able to meet my wife, being able to be impacted and growing my faith in school and then being able to, you know, start my business career with that, that, you know, what I learned there and also just being able to learn how to learn because it was a Christian noble arts school. And, and, you know, I, I remember telling somebody going into school, they're like, what are you going to major in? I was like, well, graphic design and probably a double major in Bible. They're like, what in the world are you going to do with that? <laughs> but I mean, I was passionate about that. I, I was trying to decide, do, do I feel the calling or do I feel, you know, but I'm so grateful now because I think that where God's put me in my life is that I am fulfilling a calling that he did have for me, but it happens to be in the business world and in the way of helping, you know, expand his kingdom through, through Christian higher education. It, it always amazes me when I ask this question, either in the context of the podcasts or, or in other venues, how many people connect directly back uh, to how formational their college experience was? And typically, I have, I, I'll have to think back whether this has happened, but usually it's because they've gone to a, a Christian college or a Bible college. And I, I think that's just a fundamental difference of our industry is the environment that our students are in and the faculty and staff who desperately want to just pour themselves into the students. And it makes all the difference in the world. It sets you up for what you're experiencing today. I totally agree. And I, I was fortunate enough early enough in my career, it was, you know, th probably the th fifth year I was in my career. You know, I, I just started doing websites. You know, I did, I did my first website at 24. It was like 1994. And uh, my alma mater, Anderson, picked up that I was working on websites. And they called me in like 97 and said, hey, we think this web thing might be something that schools you know, could benefit from, could you help us do a website? So I had the opportunity to do my first website with my alma mater. And at that same time, I was doing work with Motorola and R RCA and AT&T, these big consumer brands. And so we were, you know, we were doing big consumer brands. We were doing nonprofits like the American Bible Society. I, I was doing their website. And then I was doing Anderson and Lumina Foundation, Notre Dame. And at the end of the day, I was like, do I want to keep selling another TV or another cell phone that's going to go out of style in six months? But I really get excited about selling higher education, I get excited about marketing and helping people find that. And so that's why, you know, 13 years ago, I left and started Kaler Solutions just to focus entirely on higher ed, take what I learned from all the corporations and kind of funnel that down into what I do now. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for what you do on behalf of a, a number of our institutions that have partnered with you. And we certainly, certainly do appreciate that. So let's tackle the subject of, of, of marketing in the time that we have. And one thing I hear frequently, I would say the vast majority of time, I've not kept the statistics on it, but when I go to a college campus, I will often hear something like, 
we have great programs. Uh, we have a great campus environment. Uh, we have people that are poor, and, and these are truthful statements uh, about that particular institution. Uh, and, but it's typically then followed up with either this comment, we're the greatest secret, no one knows about us. <laughs> yeah, I hear that right? so much. Yeah. Or if we could only market what we do better, we'd have so many more students. So obviously you've come across this. Is this true? Is it that simple? Is it that we have this great thing, the greatest secret, and if we just would market, we would the doors would fling open and we'd have record enrollments? I think you have to frame that very carefully. Because I think that I was on campus, one of our, one of the ABHE school campuses this week, and we were talking about this. And, you know, I used an illustration of fishing. And if you're familiar with what different kinds of fishing, there's one types of fishing called a, a trawling. And basically they put a big net out behind a really big, big boat and they just literally drag the net for miles. And then they pull it in and they just sort out what they catch. Big state schools can do that. And that's what I think a lot of people think marketing is, is that, boy, if we just got the word out, if we put the billboards up, if we, you know, did all of our pay-per-click ads, you know, boy, we would have no problem getting, hauling in the, the catch. Well, the problem is that if you are looking for a certain kind of fish and you're doing trawling, you're going to get a lot of junk in that net that you don't necessarily want or will necessarily be mission fit for your school. And so, you know, the, the next, you know, the way I've been telling schools is that you really have to be more of a fly fisherman. A fly fisherman understands the environment. They understand the weather and how it affects the fish. They understand the watering holes where the fish are. They know where those little crevices in the rocks where all the fish are. They know what kind of bait to put on the hook to attract that particular kind of fish, especially if they're going trout fishing. They're not hauling in carp. They're not hauling in other, they're fishing for trout. And I think that's the way a lot of our schools need to really focus in is, is that you cannot do it the way everybody else does it. I've worked with a couple other schools right now and and they're like, well, you know, the tractor dealership down the street, they they do really good marketing. Maybe, maybe we'll just pull in their their marketing agency. And I'm like, you're not selling tractors. You're not selling, you're not selling a credit union. You're a school of higher education. And then you think about in a city, how many people need a higher education degree? Well, you know, we know things like one in four adults are, you know, have some college, but not, you know, not a bachelor's degree. I get that there's a large audience out there, but once you start taking that down, so let's say that we'd go with the one in four adults just to focus on adult for now. All of a sudden you're down to 25% of the population that actually is going to be listening or, or have a need for what you have. Then when you take that 25% and you say, how many of them would actually be interested in, in a biblical higher education? That that shrinks down pretty narrow. And then you say, how many people would actually be willing to do that in the next year or two that are kind of in the market at this moment because of life and everything else? You have a very, very narrow band of people that you're actually talking to. So maybe out of a city of 50,000, could you identify, you know, 1% of that, 50 people or 500 people? Uh, so all of a sudden we're looking at it and we're looking at, okay, we don't need to necessarily, you know, market to the masses, we need to market to those 500 people. Then you start looking at where are those people at? Where, what are their watering holes? And, and for most of the schools in ABHE, that's going to be churches. And so how do you build the relationships with the churches and the other watering holes to, to earn the right to be able to market to those people? And most of that's through relationships with the gatekeepers, whether it's pastors or youth pastors. And so to get back to the main question, yes, I do believe that if you did more effective marketing in the watering holes where your prospective students are and the mission fit students, if you did that effectively and you did it 
in a way that that they understood it, I do believe that most schools could see an, an increase in enrollment. Now, is it a flooding? No, probably not. It's it's going to be some regular work. I mean, nothing is a silver bullet, but that's a whole lot better than, you know, I've been in way too many meetings where the the you know the board wants to see us market, and so hey, we put ten ten billboards up around the city, and boy, we sure feel good about it. But why didn't it do anything? Well, because that's not where your audience is, nor is it the the right type of marketing. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish, leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now back to the show. That's so powerful. And I love that illustration of the fishing piece of it. Cause it, you know, the other thing too, when you're trolling for fish, and you get a lot, you get a lot of junk, like you said, but if you're fly fishing, you're fishing one fish at a time. Yep. I, I have yet to catch two fish on a line. <laughs> yeah, but it's relational. And we are the type of schools. I mean, I've talked to like Purdue University and big schools on my podcast, and they cannot do the things that, that ABHE schools can do. I mean, they just, they don't, they have too many numbers. We have such small you know, small classes that you can get hyper-focused on these students. You can do things that other schools could only imagine. And so sometimes when I hear schools say, well, we're so small, we can't do anything. I'm like, man, you have the most power. You can think outside the box. And, you know, I was just as an example, I was at another school recently and, uh, you know, a a student came in and did a campus tour. And I asked the, the admissions counselor when they left, I said, tell me a little bit about the student. They said, well, he's a He's a junior. He's, you know, and they kind of said some things. And what is, what's he really inter- interested in? He said, you know, it was interesting. He was asking about dual enrollment for Greek. He's really into, he's looking forward to studying Greek. And I said, okay, go on Amazon, find a, a Greek New Testament, check with the, the faculty to make sure it's what we would use, and then order that book, write a quick note to him and send it to him. It's a $20 investment, but boy, will mom and and dad and he be impressed that you guys thought and listened because it's all about paying attention and listening. And I just think small gestures like that, large schools could never imagine doing that. But the schools, ABHE schools can do that in in spades. Exactly. And and it sends such a powerful message to the prospective student coming in. So, boy, we we could spend the rest of the time on on this, (laughs) Uh, right? And the other, the other thing that the fallacy that I run into is that there, you know, there's one stream that we get all of our fish run or there's one watering hole Oh yeah, and, and enrollment anymore. It's trickles. It's, it's drips, cricks, creeks, depending on where you're from, but it's, it's multiple and you got to have all of those lines out all the time. Well, and I'll just say one last thing and then we'll get to the other thing. Keep in mind too, if you're a denominational school, most people who go to churches cannot name the denomination that they're in. There's community churches, there's all kinds of things. And so open your mind to kind of see where are those aligning types of organizations, alignment in other church denominations that would still be good mission fit for your schools. And and I mean, I've heard way too many schools say, well, we just can't get more students because our denomination just doesn't have that, that age range or that particular. 
open up yourself to think about other churches. So uh, you've been on a lot of college campuses as you, through your experience. Uh, wh- what are what are some of the? I, I'm sure you see a lot of mistakes or a lot of missteps. What what are the top? Let's say the top two things that you've observed that that, that are two constant mistakes that that our institutions are making. Yeah. So so the one I would start with what I said earlier is just thinking you've got to do what everybody else is doing. So so you're looking at the local community college, you're looking at the local state school and you're like, "Oh, I, we just need a billboard or we need to sponsor the major league baseball team or we need No, you don't. There's other ways to do that. So that's one thing. Another thing I see often is that you are trusting your marketing to people that are untrustworthy. And so what I see there is that I've probably done this four times now where I'll walk in, I'll start an engagement, I'll look at the marketing budget. And my first question is, help me understand a little bit about this contract with the local radio station, because you said you don't do radio. Oh, they handle all of our pay-per-click and Google ads. And I'm like, okay, they're a radio station. Oh, well, they've got a, their salesperson came and they, we pay them $2,000 a month and they, they do all of our Google ads and, and they get us leads. And I said, well, well, show me the leads that have come from that. Oh, well, so when they call the radio station, they get on a call with me and then they start talking about reach and clicks and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm like, so basically all we've done is paid you $2,000 a month for the past five years to get people to click on our website. Has anybody filled out a form? No. And and it just makes me almost cry every time I hear that because I think about the wasted resources and the fact that we put our trust in somebody because we didn't know better, and that's okay, but we didn't take the time to ask other people about that because I see that happen with radio stations, with newspapers, with TV stations, and with cable stations. They're looking to find ways to increase their revenue, and the dirty secret is, is that most of these places farm it out to you know, Fiverr and Philippine guys that have no interest or no knowledge of who you are. And they're just, you know, basically geo-targeting. They'll throw out words like geo-targeting. They'll talk about conversions, but the conversions mean they see your ad, they click on your ad and they go to your homepage. It's not a conversion that they're becoming a lead. And so I think just the literacy of marketing is something that I would really encourage people to do is learn more about marketing. I mean, even if you read a couple basic books from Seth Godin or a few other people, just to get the skill needed. I was listening to This Is Marketing by Seth Godin last night, and he said, marketing is a skill that can be learned. It's a skill, it's a muscle that just needs to be you know, learned how to use. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just something you need to understand. Which I can understand where a lot of our institutions, where, where they fall into this kind of catch, catch 22 environment with it, where they're small, they don't have large teams, they, don't, they may not even necessarily have a marketing department, they may have a person who's, who's over marketing. And, and so when opportunities come up in the pay-per-click world, it, it sounds shiny, it, sh- it sounds like, oh man, we should, we should jump in. And, and, then, and it's also to your first mistake that they make is, well, everybody else is doing it, right? That can be a significant black hole of resource wasting. And now there's probably place for it, right? There's place for it. That's no doubt for that. But when you have a very limited budget, I mean, if you can only spend $500 a month on pay-per-click, you're not going to be able to get any leads. And so, you know, once you get to a certain point where you've got a large enough budget, I mean, I have plenty of ABHE schools that we are running digital campaigns for them. 
But I mean, you have to commit to something like $5,000 a month to see it effectively work and you have to set it up. And there's certainly places for that. But I think most of the majority of the ABHE schools, I mean, if you're headed down that road or you're already there, reassess that and take a look at it. Because I think that guerrilla marketing is your better opportunity where that one-to-one you know, you know, relationship type of building, the church relationship building, you're going to see far more uh, results in that than, you know, handing over your, your purse to, you know, the local media station. Yeah. Which is, which is a great principle for enrollment teams, but also with, with marketing departments. And that's that mentality of block and tackle, right? Exactly. There's strategy, there's technology, there's, there's all of these things that are good and they're great tools. But if that's all you're focusing in on trying to tweak a strategy or, or, or uh, buy more names, um, at the end of the day, it's those relationships and it's just picking up the phone. It's picking up the email. It's picking up the text. It's, all of those things, those those one-on-one relationships, and there's and there's plenty of people. I mean, in the in the association, there's relationships. I mean, that's the wonderful thing I like about ABHE is that the relationships that are there. And so, I mean, if you're listening right now and you're like, "Boy, I wish I had somebody to talk to," you can talk to me. I'm more than happy to talk to any ABHE school. I do website reviews for free because I just want people to be able to expand the kingdom. And and if it makes sense for us to enter into something, we can do that. But I I just want people to understand that, hey, if you have a quick question, send me an email or ask other people that are, you know, out at the annual meeting or ask other schools what they're doing if if you see them, because we're not competing against one another. We're competing against the state schools and the and the community colleges and the other places that we're losing the students to. Yeah, boy, that's that's another fallacy that we think we're competing against other Christian colleges and we're not. Nope. The we are competing against state schools and community colleges. So yeah. switching gears a little bit, and I know that this is a topic that you and I have spent a lot of time kind of chatting through, and it's around artificial intelligence. And that's something that's come on and seen has actually been around for a little bit, but it's really coming on a, a kind of the mushroom cloud is happening right now. And it feels like it's something that's changing literally on a weekly basis. So in in, in your in your industry of, of marketing, What's what's AI doing? What's it going to shape? What's it? How's it going to affect how our institutions market? So the one thing I like the most about AI, and the reason that I'm going as deep as I am into it, is because I see the power that AI has to basically exponentially help you grow your efforts in your marketing department. So I, I mean, on the podcast, I've had, you know, Grand Canyon University on the podcast. I talked to their VP of marketing. He has a team of 55 people that are doing marketing for GCU and GCE, the, 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 the full company. Most, as most schools that, that ABHE, I mean, the, the biggest marketing department that I can think of that I work with right now is maybe four. And most, like you said, are either a halftime or a quarter person that's, you know, also doing three other things. And so when I look at, at AI and I look at how can I develop a comm flow that I'm going to drop into a CRM for a prospective student, if I can use AI and shave it from a, a 16-hour project to a four-hour project, that all of a sudden gives a lot more time to do other things and to do multiple things. And so I've really been looking at developing AI and, and, and teaching a lot of the schools that I work with on how to use it so that you're basically able to 
you know, save time. I, I probably save 10 or 15 hours a week just by utilizing chat GPT and a few other, other tools right now. Some of it's coming up with ideas. Some of it's coming up with, you know, I, I gave it an idea and said, Hey, here's a couple ideas for how to build relationships with churches. You know, give me 10 more ideas like this. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I never thought about that. Or I, I never knew that there was a Christian thespian association. And that if I have a theater program in my school, then that would be a place that I'd want to probably go. And so just being able to be exposed to the ways that it can pick up and do things faster and, and help you. I, I like to call them cobots rather than robots because robots sounds like terminators coming to get me. Cobot sounds friendly, like it's a collaborative bot that's going to help me. And that's the way you have to look at it. It's a tool and a collaborative tool. It's not going to take away your job. It's not going to be threatening to you, but it is something that you can train to help you. You can even upload the, the, the style of your copywriting that you do, and it will mimic that tone and style. And so that can save a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it just, again, allows us, it's a stewardship issue of time. And I think that using a tool like that can help with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, it's really not Bart Kaler on the screen here. You've leveraged uh, <laughs> yeah, AI. I, I uploaded my voice and we're just, there <laughs> yeah. are tools like that, as scary I as know. that sounds. But I know. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. And who knows where, where all of it's going to end up. There's, and I think it's just, it's the same argument or the same logic in response to all forms of technology going all the way back to the ballpoint pen to the internet. I mean, I remember back in 94 when the internet came and yeah, you're just thinking, how in the world? Like, do we really need a website? I, I remember schools telling me, no, thank you. Why would we ever need a website? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think AI, but there are some elements that just feel different about this. And that's, that's where I think we, there, there needs to be that level of awareness of, okay, so where is this going? And from an efficiency perspective, I love that. That's a very practical piece, especially when you're building out your, your, your comm sequences of, boy, wh why generate new every time when you can train AI to, to do it for you? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different conversations that we need to have about it. In fact, I was on a, a larger Christian university campus yesterday and they are planning on doing a, a faith and AI conference next spring. And they're asking me to come and talk a little bit about that. And so that's something that I think that as Christians, we need to understand and we need to be, you know, on the forefront of understanding it and having a conversation about it and talking through those elements of how it intersects with our faith and, and how how we do those things. And, and certainly, I mean, I've already seen plenty of, you know, people quickly rushing to it and, and developing, you know, sermons out of it and things like that. At the end of the day, again, it's a tool, but it's never going to replace what we can do, what God, you know, God's spirit is in us, not in the AI bot. And so that's where the creativity, that's where the inspiration, that's how the Holy Spirit uses us. And so we have to be the owner of all that and using it as a tool. It's no different than when, you know, God blessed us with implements and, you know, the way that God taught us to use his creation and become stewards over it. It's the same type of thing with AI. Well, let's close out with one final question. And, you know, if you're listening to this and, and there's some elements that are overwhelming with marketing, we didn't fix it for, for all 157 <laughs> institutions. But what are just real quickly, three simple steps? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? What are three simple steps our listeners can take today to enhance their marketing efforts? The first step I would say is take a hard look at your website and take a look at it through the lens of a prospective student. And even if you need to pull in your, your current students to say, 
hey, give us a real clear understanding of, of this. One of the biggest issues that I see on the website, you know, every student comes to your website trying to answer three questions. One, am I going to fit into this institution and am I going to thrive? Two, do you have what I want to study? And three, can I afford it? And um, you really need to be able to answer all three of those questions in your website. And you have to remember, too, that the website is a, is a tool for inspiration. And there's going to be areas that are going to be transactional. But part of the problem is, is I see way too many of our institutions that are focused on transaction. And so the website really becomes not much more than a you know, a digital version of the catalog. And so we've really got to think about it from the perspective of the prospective student. And, and so that would be one area that I would look at. The second area that I would look at is that back to what you said earlier, you're not competing against each other. You're, you know, if you're competing for undergrad students, you're competing against the community colleges and the state schools. If you're doing adult students, you're competing against life. You're not competing against other schools. Most of the time, it's either against life or against their own confidence in what they can do. And so really making sure that your messaging is kind of effect, is kind of built around those types of things. And then the last one that I would say is really take a look at that. Do you have a message? Do you have a clear distinctive? Um, you know, and it goes back to my inspiration and the transactions. If it's more about the the idea of coming in and just being able to do these things, and it's more of we're just putting the facts down and, and going through that route, or do we go through and we actually try to be inspirational and say, here's what's different about us. This is what this is how we can help you fulfill your um, your calling. I listened to a quote last night from Seth Godin, and he was talking about that. There was a Harvard professor that came up with the idea for, you know, when you sell a drill bit, you're not selling a piece of metal, you're selling the whole. You're selling the benefit of what that drill bit does. Because nobody wants to go out and say, I want a drill bit. They say, I want a hole in my wall. And so, and he even took it further and said, but is it really that they want a hole in their wall or do they want a set of shelves that they can put up and step back and feel good about what they have. And we have to remember that that's what marketing is, is helping people understand that where they're going to be after they go through what we have to partner with them, that's what they're trying to get to. That's that's the emotion that they are getting ready to put down their money and their time and their their effort for. They're not coming because, you know, they think you're better than everybody. They're coming to achieve a goal that God's put in their heart. Oh, that's fantastic. Bart, our time is up. We probably could have could have filled up another episode. <laughs> maybe we'll do another time, but this was fun. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have you back again. But uh, thank you for being a senior fellow, and to the listeners that are out there, I know this for a fact that Bart really would uh, take him up on his yep. offer to have a conversation. Obviously, there are services that he sells, but he doesn't lead with that. And uh, he's a great person to just say, "Hey, we're thinking or processing through this. What do you think, Bart?" So, thank you for that. We we really do appreciate it. Thank you for your wisdom and uh, some of the ideas. And please do if you're listening and you want to hear uh, more from Bart. He does have his own podcast, The Higher Ed Marketer, award-winning <laughs> uh, podcast, uh, The Higher Ed Marketer. And I encourage you to uh, look that up on your favorite um, um, podcast platform and uh, listen into Bart. So, uh, until next time. Stay kingdom focused. Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback 
topics or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhighereddtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.